Who is the most unguardable wide receiver in the NFL? Or maybe there's two. Got that coming up for you and much more on today's episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, football fans, and welcome into another episode of Locked On NFL, your daily podcast that is bringing you all of the biggest stories around the National Football League in right around 30 minutes. We appreciate you, as always, for making uh, Locked On NFL your first listen of the day every day, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you very much for being here. It is Tuesday. Luke Braun is out today, so we have the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only. David Harrison mm. is here with me today. Good friend. Uh, hosts one of the other NFC South shows. We do a whole bunch of stuff together. You can follow him on Twitter at dharrison82. I don't know a more hardworking man in the NFL landscape. David, thanks so much for being here and for jumping in for Luke, buddy. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, I had to cut my pool time short, which doesn't help your claim that uh, you don't know a harder working person. <laughs> but, um Shout out to the 4th of July holiday because I got an early day from my side hustle, which allowed me a few extra hours. So I got some pool time. That's re- it's the only reason that actually happened. But um, yeah, I appreciate the invite. Of course. Of course. Of course, man. Glad to be here. And of course, I am Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. And we appreciate you very much for being here with us for another episode of Locked on NFL. Today's episode of Locked on NFL brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the uh, candidates that you're looking to hire faster and for free. So you can post your job for free over at linkedin.com. So it's NFL. That's linkedin.com. So it's NFL. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to, or Locked on Saints, Locked on NFL, the front, the, the, the random slip there uh, of Locked on NFL. We're going to take a look at our yike and like, as always, some good news in the city of New Orleans, which might be where that Locked on Saints slip came from. Uh, and we're also going to lead off today's show, though, with a quick look at the most unguardable wide receiver or wide receivers in the NFL, because they've got two names for you. And we'll also take a look at the next tier. So I, I think what I'm going to say right away, David, is that there are not there is not one most unguardable wide receiver in the NFL. There are a pair of the most unguardable wide receivers in the NFL today. And that would be. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown, Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson are the most unguardable wide receivers in the NFL. Do you agree or disagree with me there? Uh, I absolutely agree, and I think that is the exact order uh, that they come in uh, when, in yes. this conversation. It's A.J. Brown, then it's Justin Jefferson. All last season, you know, getting to watch teams face the Washington Commanders, and I know the Washington Commanders secondary last year wasn't touted as like the greatest secondary in the NFL or anything but the one receiver that stood out amongst all of them to me was AJ Brown just mm. just just the ability he has to to play physical when he needs to play physical play with speed when he needs to play with speed and you know I know that you know some of the separation we're going to talk about isn't like the world's greatest but I think even for a dude his size and and with his kind of strength and ability uh to just out physical somebody Still, the separation that he does get when he does get that separation is very impressive when you look at some of the the defenders that he's going against. So uh, full disclosure, I actually wasn't able to be at FedEx when the Vikings came to town, so I didn't get to see Justin Jefferson play in person last year. So there is a little bit of a grain of salt there. But uh, of all the receivers I saw the commanders go up against in person, A.J. Brown was was by far the one that stood out the most. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you that AJ Brown is at the top of that list for me. And and obviously I've got a lot of love for Justin Jefferson. He was phenomenal with the yeah. LSU Tigers 2019 uh championship team and he was remarkable with them. I did get to see Justin Jefferson live uh, in London last year playing against the New Orleans Saints, and he torched the New Orleans Saints, especially at the <laughs> end of the game with one of the biggest you know, big catches and things like that down the field. But man, I, I kind of just have to give the first nod to A.J. Brown. He's six foot plus, 220 plus pounds, and he's a guy that's you know number three amongst all wide receivers in the NFL last year with at least 75 targets and yards per route run at 2.47. Uh, he also mm -hmm. added uh, a 116.1 passer rating when targeted. And we have additional analytics here thanks to 538 and ESPN that went through and gave each wide receiver and tight end rankings in the NFL based on their ability to get open, their ability to make catches, and their ability to pick up yards after catch. A.J. Brown scored a 92 out of 99, so he was in the upper percentile there when it came to getting open. 61 out of 99 when it came to catch, so not actually as good as Justin Jefferson there, but when it mm -hmm. came to yards after catch, has a good 22-point lead on um, Justin Jefferson in terms of the measures of that metric. And just to give you an idea as to potentially why 20 missed tackles forced by A.J. Brown in 2022, yeah. according to Pro Football Focus, only 11 by Justin Jefferson. So maybe that's kind of where you get the yards after catch spot, even though he actually had 20 yards less in terms of total yards after catch uh, at, you know, to, to finish up the season. But I, I don't think you can go wrong with either one of these guys. No, absolutely not. I mean, yeah. you know, they're they're two of the top, you know, receivers off the fantasy draft boards every season for a reason. 100%. Um, I didn't mean for that to rhyme, by the way. But that was good. I mean, it, good. but 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 what you're exactly what you're talking about. It's almost like you know, we talk about tight end mismatches all the time. And I think AJ Brown specifically kind of brings that kind of kind of dynamic. If you put a guy on him who's strong enough to bring him down with minimal help, he's probably not gonna be fast enough uh, or quick enough to to stay with him. But if you put a guy who's fast enough and quick enough, He's probably not going to be able to bring him down on his own. He's going to need a lot of help. And just kind of something that really stands out is despite the fact that his worst game last season actually came against the Washington Commanders, still, again, mm -hmm. the receiver that stood out the most to me during the course of the year watching these the Commanders defense trying to guard guys. But then, like you said, Justin Jefferson, maybe not as strong, maybe not as physical or, or as big of a specimen. But when you look at just his ability to manipulate coverage, manipulate defenders, and do the things that he needs to do to make his team successful, I mean, Let's be honest. Like I know Adam Thielen just left the team this offseason, but JJ's been the guy and like really the yeah. only guy in Minnesota's receiving group for a little while now. So, you know, when you have like AJ, if you if you really want to kind of take away from him, it would be that he's not Devonta Smith. You know what I mean? Who, who yes. might deserve a little bit of burn in the next part of this conversation, but right now mm -hmm. isn't getting it. But Justin Jefferson's been doing it by himself and he doesn't have kind of the holistic tools that AJ does. So that's why, like you said, like they're both the toughest guy to guard and really it's just a, a matter of I think preference probably and who you've seen more of on who you think is the better of the two yeah absolutely and I think one of the other things too is you look at the the contested catch situations actually both of these guys could improve in contested catch situations technically Justin Jefferson yeah. has the edge there 55 percent last year uh 22 contested catches in those situations as com as compared to I think it was around 46 percent for AJ Brown but here's what I mm -hmm. love 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 of love about Justin Jefferson 44% of his snaps out wide on the left side, 28% of his snaps out wide on the right side, 10 in the slot on the left side, 10% again in the slot on the right side. This guy plays all over the alignment. And don't get me wrong, so does A.J. Brown, but you listen to some of A.J. Brown's route distribution over 100 go routes. A lot of like, hey, be the big guy that runs down the field, 
and picks up the no. big yards. And don't get me wrong, Justin Jefferson does that too, but he only ran 66 of those routes last year. He's running some of the tougher routes towards the inside of the field. Over routes, he ran 60. Dig routes, he ran 108. Slant routes, he ran 30. Screens, he ran 58. That's that's short, potentially even behind the line of, line of scrimmage, intermediate routes, and of course, the deep routes. And his the, the route that he ran the most in 2022, at least, were the 121 out routes that he ran, which means that he's running routes that require precise targeting from the quarterback that are tough yeah. to make catchers. You're working in limited space, all of these things. So let me make sure that like we, that just like you are, that I give Justin Jefferson his flowers still, because right. man, like any team in the NFL would take one of these guys. Absolutely. No doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. Oh yeah. And I mean, and look, those out routes, I mean, you know, a lot of times we look at those out routes. Okay. You run up the field, you turn out, and and you get ready for the ball but there's a lot of technicality in that in the way that you release the way that you press up the field depending on how the defender is guarding you in that route and how you set them up before the break how you get into the break come out of the break on time and on balance and and all these things like like a simple run 10 yards turn 90 degrees to the left or right is not simple like it's a it's a very difficult process that i i think i, I might tear an acl just talking about it if i, if I diagram <laughs> it too much like it's a very difficult process. So to see a guy do it so consistently and as well as he does, and like you said, the versatility across the formation, I think kind of going back to like, he's kind of the only Vikings guy outside of Dalvin cook. Who's no longer there yep. either. Like that's, that's, such that's what you need is, is let's okay. Look, it's not working on the left. Let's go to the right. It's not working there. Let's go to the slot. It's not working slot left. Let's try slot, right. Yeah. And then I always talk about on my shows, the four dimensional part of the NFL passing game. Cause a lot of people, forget about those tunnel screens or the plays that start off in the backfield. And, mm -hmm. you know, we look at Debo, Debo Samuel with yep. the, the massive yards after catch disparity between him and the rest of the national football league. Well, a lot of that's because every yard he gets is basically yard after catch. Right. So yep. the, the four dimensional ability of a guy like Justin Jefferson uh, in the NFL is supremely impressive as impressive as again, AJ run deep. We'll throw it up there. You're huge, bro. Just don't let them come down with it. That's yep. a talent all in and of itself. But Justin Jefferson's talent, I mean, to to me is a little bit more impressive. But again, it's 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 neck and neck. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Last thing that I'll wrap up with here is that Justin Jefferson, even with the entire NFL knowing that he's the guy in Minnesota, hundred and thirty five catches last year, seventy three percent reception percentage, one thousand eight hundred fifty seven yards, eight touchdowns. I mean, the guy is incredible. So AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Most unguardable wide receivers in the NFL. But there are other players that could potentially, I don't know what happened to my voice there. There are other players that could potentially uh, make a run for the crowd as the most unguardable wide receiver in 2023. And there's one player in particular that a lot of NFL players themselves are talking about. So we'll get to that next piece of this equation as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on NFL, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on NFL is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs is the place to go whenever you're in a situation to where maybe you're a small business and you're looking to bring in some folks. Those are some high stakes hires sometimes. You want to find the people that have the requisite experience that fit the culture, that maybe bring a little bit of something that you don't have on your staff already, right? The best jobs are the jobs that are able to, to bring in the best kind of like different people at a bunch of different skill sets and things like that, right? Like you got to build out your toolbox. You don't want to use a hammer to drive your screws. Can't do that. Find the right folks that fit your team over at LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn jobs. You want to check them out. They've got, uh, you can post your job for free. They've got 
screening questions, make sure you're getting the right candidates, and they're rated number one at providing qualified candidates versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to free and faster than anyone else. Head over to linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, family, continuing on with another episode of Locked on NFL. Thank you to all the everydayers out there for making us your first listen of the day every day. It's Tuesday, so you got David Harrison and myself here on the Locked on NFL podcast. Make sure you're coming back tomorrow. Tony and James hitting some of the biggest questions around the NFL like they do every week. Uh, we're here, though, being nerds, and we're breaking down a bunch of stats and and you know advanced analytics, talking about the most unguardable wide receivers in the NFL. David, you and I kind of hit on the two biggest names, Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown, the guys that we agree in the opposite order are the most unguardable wide receivers in the NFL. But what's a player, who's the player that stands out to you that could potentially challenge to make their way to at least the near top of that list here in 2023? Yeah, so it's it's not even a player that necessarily stands out to me because I haven't been able to see him all that True. much recently, right? True. But it's a guy who certainly stands out to defenders and and I'm going to kick this off with uh, Washington Commander safety Cam Curl, who identified Jacksonville Jaguars receiver Calvin Ridley as the number one receiver he's ever had to cover. So Cam Curl was recently on the Talk of the Town, a 918 podcast, a, a local kind of hometown podcast from where he's from. And he was asked, you know, who are your number one receivers or who are the top receivers you've ever had to cover? Took all of his teammates off the board. So no Terry McLaurin, all that stuff, mm -hmm. not allowed. And he said, quote, number one off the bat, Calvin Ridley. I had to play him. My freshman year, key different. And then we had to play Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle. We had to play them all three years at Arkansas. Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown is real nice. We played Odell when he was with the Browns. He's like that for real. Like he named all these names, but boom. And if you watch the podcast right off the bat, Calvin Ridley's name, like no hesitation whatsoever. The rest of them, he kind of had to hem and haw and think about a little bit. You know, he throws out Henry Ruggs there, who's not going to be playing football for a very long time. Um, but, you know, the, the fact that Calvin Ridley's name jumped right off of his mouth, as soon as I heard him say that, I was like, that's that's interesting. That's very interesting to me because I think the, you know, the departure from the Atlanta Falcons with, you know, there was there was the mental stuff. And, and I know some Falcons fans feel like he was just trying to cover up for what he eventually got in trouble for. And I'm not here to talk about that necessarily. But then he gets suspended. Then he comes back or he's getting ready to come back. gets traded. Mm -hmm. All these like all these other storylines have surrounded Calvin Ridley that we almost forget. This dude is is very, very talented and supremely really talented. Um, and Cam Curl, you know, again, he's been in the NFC, so he's faced a lot of talented receivers. He played in the SEC, played, played against a lot of talented receivers. So for a guy who has seen this many talented receivers on a football field to just boom right off the bat, say Calvin Ridley, I think this says a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And he's not the only one that's talking about him. Uh, Calvin Ridley's teammate, uh, Jamal Agnew, who's not a defensive back, but hey, look, he knows the position of wide receiver. Um, he also brought him up recently. In a uh, uh, there's an NFL.com story that hold that talks all about it. It's uh, it was on a, a show called Talk Sport, and um, he said actually used the exact same words that Cam Curl used in saying he's just well not the exact same words but he's just different. And I think Cam, I think yeah. Cam Curl said he's different. And so mm -hmm. like they, these guys like understand that Calvin Ridley is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, if you look at his yards per route run uh, back in 2020, which was kind of the the, the full last time that he played almost full season, 15 games in that year. Uh, he comes in at 2.44 yards per route run. He was number six amongst wide receivers in 2020 that had at least 75 targets, according to Pro Football Focus. 
you add into that the you know whopper of of a passer rating that came you know when when uh, targets came his way one hundred two point three passer rating just insanely good numbers and of course that was two years ago can he maintain that going through Tony Wiggins who of course locked on every day locked on NFL every day as we'll see tomorrow along with James Rapine. Uh, but mm-hmm. also over, you know, host locked on Jaguars, and he's talked a lot about Calvin Ridley and seeing him in camp and how good or OTAs mini camps and how good he looks, how fresh he looks. I mean, there's a chance that I don't know, maybe the two years away actually does him a little bit of favors, right? Like he might have the freshest legs of any wide receiver yeah. that's playing in 2022 or 2023, and and maybe has the opportunity to enter this conversation. But he's certainly an impressive wide receiver, nonetheless, and and his colleagues absolutely agree. Um, some other names that absolutely kind of fit in this next tier, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't give James Rapine his flowers and talk about Jamar Chase. I mean, Jamar Chase mm-hmm. is another one of those. And I know former LSU, you can go, go off your L- my LSU bias, whatever. I don't care. Uh, yeah, he, he, he earns <laughs> so the stupid. praise though. So regardless. But, yeah, but the guy's outstanding, you know, um, no. and he's absolutely up there. So are, are there any other names that stand out to you as like potential guys that can enter this conversation next season? Yeah, you know, I, I look at a guy like Terry McLaurin and, you know, he's not the most physically, you know, uh, I don't want to say but imposing, you know, presence mm-hmm. on the football field. Uh, he, I wouldn't say he is the, the quickest or the fastest guy on, on the football field every single Sunday, but he's a guy who's got really good, I would say above average ability in every category you want a wide receiver uh, to have, but he's played with mostly, if not entirely, subpar quarterback play, right? But mm-hmm. even despite all of that, he he had 40 or more receiving yards last season, every game except for two. And, you know, 40 yards, like, okay, whoop de doo But 10 of his games, he had over 70 yards. And there was a stretch there where the Washington Commanders are winning most of their games, not all their games, but winning most of their games and kind of start threatening for playoff positions. Mm-hmm. And during that stretch, especially the game in Indianapolis, and that game was a little bit different. Terry's from Indy. It was a homecoming. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of emotion there. Marvin Harrison was in attendance because the Colts were were celebrating some things, um, and that was his idol growing up. So there was just there was just a lot going on. He had like five thousand yeah. people in the stands, you know, rooting him on from Indy. Um, but there was a dog in Terry McLaurin that came out in in the game against the Indianapolis Colts that I don't know that I've really seen before that game. And during this stretch of games, including that Colts game. He really started to look to me like a receiver that this is a guy who can start to just take over games. We talk about the AJ Browns of the world and then the Justin Jeffersons of the world and Jamar Chase. Like that's the kind of that's the kind of mentality that I I think everybody's kind of been waiting to see out of Terry. Like he's always been the statesman, the, the the guy that's a real good steward of the brand. But now let's see the killer instinct. And I think we started to see that come out last year. Then the quarterable quarterback flip flop debacle happened and really just kind of mm-hmm. knocked everybody off their game. But if this team can get consistent quarterback play from Sam Howell and get a consistent footing on the season with the quarterback position, I think this could be a year we see Terry McLaurin take that step into the shallow end of one of these receivers that really kind of takes over uh, on a weekend-to-weekend basis. And that's kind of the beginning, I think, of becoming one of these unguardable dudes. Yeah, man. I I love I, – I just love Terry McLaurin. I just think he's such an impressive player. He's so good. Uh, and I loved him coming out of Ohio State and all that stuff too. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't at least drop Stefan Diggs's name in yeah. this conversation. The guy is a noted inaccuracy eraser throughout his entire career. He's made Kirk Cousins outstanding in seasons. He's made uh, he's kind of helped to fix some of the concerns around Josh Allen, in addition to the development of Josh Allen, right? Like I don't want to take any of that away from Josh. Um, mm-hmm. 
But the guy that I really want to highlight here as we wrap up, because it's an interesting conversation, is Debo Samuel unguardable mm. or is he simply unstoppable? I think I'm a little bit closer to the latter than I am to the former mm. in that I lean a little bit more to unstoppable than unguardable. Uh, he does make, he does create a lot of separations, uh, 3.6 yards of separation on average, according to uh, next gen stats. But he's also been given nearly seven yards of cushion on average as right. well. We have to remember that some of those, some of that separation gets inflated by running routes from out of the backfield and things like that, where you kind of get a little bit of natural separation created. So when you look right. at this ESPN metric of getting open, he ranks 90th out of 110 wide receivers. So I think that the unguardable part isn't there for him. But when you consider that, and this is no exaggeration, 78.1% of his yards came after the catch in 2022. Yeah. To your point from earlier, I think that's one of the things that makes him un unstoppable, but maybe right. not necessarily unguardable just yet. Yeah, I, I, I hate I hate when when we lean on system players too much. When, when we talk about NFL players, and I go back to kind of Tom Brady about this, because I always kind of said that even the fastest car on the track still needs to have a driver that knows how to maximize its potential, right? So mm -hmm. there, there's, there should be an equal share kind of in credit here. But Debo, I think he's, he's very much a product of the scheme, the system that he's in, and the coaches that he has. If he goes somewhere... You know, I don't know why Namdi uh, Namdi Asamoa is coming uh -huh. to mind right now, but if it, completely different position, I get it. Other side of the ball, but I think you know, if you're a, a football old guy like I am, you, you'll understand the correlation. If you put his talents in the wrong system, it's not going to work. He's got to yeah. be in the right place in the right situation. The 49ers right now are that right situation. Like if he were to leave San Fran, I would say like Miami. But outside of Miami, and of course, that's a San Fran disciple, so I mean, it right. makes sense. But like outside of Miami, I can't think of a whole lot of other teams where Debo is Debo to this extent that he is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. That makes a lot of sense, too. All right, coming up next, we're going to we're gonna move on from our unguardable wide receivers. But man, this was such a fun conversation. Let us know who your most unguardable wide receivers are, the guy that's ready to take the next step. Let us know who, you, who you've got on that list. But next thing I want to get to is just some feel-good NFL news because, gosh darn it, we deserve it. So let's get to that as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on NFL, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, y'all, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on NFL. David Harrison, Ross Jackson here with you on this Tuesday. Make sure you're coming back for the, one of the biggest questions around the NFL. Tony and James do such a phenomenal job on those Wednesday episodes. You want to come back and keep us here five days a week for all you everydayers out there. Every single Monday through Friday, we ain't going nowhere. So let's take a look now at our yike and like carrying on with the tradition here. Uh, David, why don't we start with the negativity a little bit so that we can we can wrap up with the positivity. And Actually, no, you know what? Let's get to the positivity first because I want to talk about this dang story. You mind if I do mm -hmm. my like first? No, absolutely, please. Okay. Um, man, there's a story that I've had the great pleasure of tracking over the course of this NFL offseason up close and personal with being your credentialed media member with the New Orleans Saints. And that's the Foster Moreau saga. This is a guy that, you know, uh, moved on from the Las Vegas Raiders after his rookie contract was done, took a free agency visit here in New Orleans, uh, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, was a positive diagnosis. He would eventually reveal in a conversation with Michael Strahan in Good Morning America that it was stage two, which meant that it, it had spread from the initial location where it was found. And for those unfamiliar with Hodgkin's lymphoma, my bare bones understanding of it, thanks to the American Cancer Society, who have 
fantastic and informational website, and of course, you know, that deserve a lot of support, uh, is that it, it's, it is a type of cancer that affects a part of the immune system. That's like the simplest way to do it. So yeah. he went through all that. It was kind of announced that, you know, he, he had been medically cleared the day after he was medically cleared, which I think was on a Tuesday. He signed with the New Orleans Saints on a Wednesday, who was the team, of course, where he had that physical check uh, to begin with. And then on Thursday, he was out there at like 7.30, 8.30 in the morning, reunited with Derek Carr, throwing on the practice field. And then we saw him out there, I believe it was the following week, first day of OTAs right away. More positive news around Foster Moreau on Monday when he tweeted out saying that he has officially been given the news that he is now in full remission from his Hodgkin's lymphoma mm -hmm. diagnosis, which is just an awesome, awesome, awesome story. Like, how oh. cool is it that sometime, like, you, you get this NFL story that's a great NFL story, and it's, a, and it's already a cool story because he's returning home. He's from here with the Jesuit High School right up the road from me, uh, and now- you also get to add in like good life news, like just positive news about mm -hmm. someone's life. And that's so cool. So shout out to Foster Moreau, shout, shout out to the New Orleans Saints. I, I love this for Foster and I can't wait to see him out on the field week one and really day one of training camp, which is just right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, it's great. You know what I mean? And I, and I really hope that it's one of those stories, you know, I cover the Buccaneers and, and, I, and I'm one of the hosts of Locked On Bucks. And so there's a lot of, you know, intermingling of Saints talk. And I know Bucks mm -hmm. fans and Saints fans don't really get along all that well on Twitter. But I'm hoping that this is one of those stories that kind of transcends that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. there are people under those helmets. There are people behind those pads. And this is a situation that and you know, any person and and you know, Foster Moreau is going to get more more light shined on on his situation because of his status as an NFL player, and that's how our society works. But again, remember, like these are these are flesh and blood human yep. beings going through this. And and I, I can't express how first of all, loved him coming out of LSU, you know, mm -hmm. really would have loved to have been able to cover him when he went to the Vegas Raiders. You know, I don't cover the Raiders, but he's always a name that I kind of kept an eye out for on. Sure. You know, him, Derek Carr was one of my favorites. Hunter Renfro was another guy that I was pulling for. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, as this stuff is going on, I, I honestly, mostly I'm following it through you. You know, it, it just just good news after good. You know, it's it's devastating news, but then good news, good news, good news. And and fortunately, this has come up, and hopefully, you know, he can stay that way. And you know, uh, again, I I have very limited knowledge, but I do know that just because you're in remission doesn't mean it's over. Doesn't mean it's That's you know, correct. It's never coming yep. back. All those things. So. There's still, you know, you're you're not out of the woods. You're just in, you know, a clearing, right? So, yep. so there's there's still a lot to go forward with. So, but just continue hoping that it's really good news moving forward for Foster. Uh, you know, look, if that means he scores a game-winning touchdown against the Buccaneers, I would much rather have him on the field <laughs> scoring that game-winning touchdown against the team that I now have to talk about a loss for than the alternate. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and and great point on the remission thing. He did mention. Uh, during his introductory press conference with us after his first appearance at OTAs, the surprise appearance at OTAs, uh, yeah. that he expects us to be a lifelong battle, but hey, right now he's winning, and that's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, what's your like for the week? Uh, it's going to be another athlete-related medical story, and this one actually okay. is about Deion Sanders, the, uh, the NFL oh, legend, yes. the cornerback, who draws a lot of adversity, a lot of controversy, and I think, again, going back to the flesh and blood human side of this thing, right? Dion has been dealing with blood clots, right? And, yeah. and again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical expert, so I don't, I can't speak too, uh, you know, uh, deep into the medicals of it, but essentially, I mean, he's had one or multiple toes already amputated because of this issue. And he recently underwent surgery because the, the, the blood flow issues were impacting his left leg, uh, and also his groin to a certain extent. And there was a risk that he was going to have to have his left foot amputated. Um, you know, so again, I would hate to to compare medical stories, but uh, Dion had the surgery. His girlfriend Tracy Edmonds uh, has been uh, active on social media. Apparently, she's a Hollywood celebrity. 
I'm not really into the celebrity scene, so I don't know who she is outside of this story. But you know, she's got enough clout that she's kind of been keeping people up to date. And Dion has come out of it, uh, you know, in in prime time mood, right? He wrote yep. uh, a message uh, on social media that just said, "quote Let's rock steady, baby." And I mean, that's you know, that's not the most prime thing uh, to come out <laughs> of the surgery with that on the line, like literally, you know, losing part of a limb on the line. You know, so it's good to see Coach Prime is you know, doing well, you know, again, this is probably something that's not over and, and far from over if that, but at least in this stage, he's got a win and, you know, no matter how much of a win it is and he's got his sense of humor intact. I think that's important. Love that. Absolutely love that. It's great news. It is great news. Um, all right. Uh, I don't want to, we, we, we don't, we'll quickly wrap up with our, with our yikes. I think we got a lot of good positive stuff in. I love that. Yeah. Um, my yike is simple. It's Twitter. Great limits. Yeah. Seriously. Chill out. Like, are we rationing Twitter? Get, get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, find us on find us on Spoutable. Find us on Blue Sky. Yeah. <laughs> find us on Facebook. Whatever. Twitter's just wilding out. So that's been that's been my yike for the week. And I think a lot of a lot of folks listening and watching uh, the show would uh, would agree. Probably would agree with that. Absolutely. My yike is real simple too, and and a lot more trivial than what we just talked about with our likes, which is good. Which is good. I think yes, when it's yes, trivial, that's what it's we good. For. Um, it's Fourth of July being midweek. Uh, I know it's know weird. What? I need a 4th of July observed. Like we can do this, right? We can do 4th of July observed yep. and then have actual, like, so let's have 4th of July. Like this year, it would have been July 2nd or July yeah. 1st. July 1st is Independence Day observed. Then you have 4th of July. Guess what? You can go in your driveway if it's legal and you have cool neighbors and light fireworks <laughs> on the 4th of July and on July 1st. And it's okay. I can burn <laughs> hot dogs for my family on Saturday and on Tuesday. But like, you know, I, I I don't know. To me, it bothers me. Next year, it's on Thursday. I don't I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah. I want uh, I want Independence Day observed. That's what yeah. I want from from my uh, from my president. Yeah, here's the move. Here's the move. You take the third and the fourth off, and that way you get That's, to observe Saturday, absolutely. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then next year when it's on Thursday, you can take Thursday and Friday off. You got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four days. That's beautiful. Weekend. That's the way. Unless you are a locked on host, in which case you're here you every know, day anyway. In which case we don't care. <laughs> we, we do not care we are going to be here one way or another uh but anyway happy fourth of july to everybody if you if you took the time to tune into the show during the holidays you're a real everyday like shout out to you yeah. that's the real one right there we appreciate yeah. you very much as always for joining us for another episode here on lockdown nfl part of lockdown podcast network your team every day for david harrison at d harrison 82 on twitter i'm ross jackson at ross jackson nola make sure you follow along keep up with everything going on around the national football league by tuning in every single monday through friday here on the lockdown nfl podcast and find your favorite local teams podcast as well because we got them all covered here across the nfl we appreciate you as always for david harrison we thank you very much for tuning in for another episode of lockdown nfl part of lockdown podcast network your team every day